Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Praise Lord. Go with me over to uh, Matthew chapter 16. Matthew, the 16th chapter. When you're there, say, I'm there, Pastor Greg. So y'all are there that fast? Wow, some of y'all are pretty speedy. All you tablet people. Super fast. What? I missed something? Okay. Julie's making jokes over there? All right. You know it's going to be a good night when Julie's making jokes, right? When Julie's making jokes, we're in store, I tell you. Usually you think it's somebody else on that side making jokes. But it, uh... <laughs> Oh, okay. I don't, I, don't, I don't even know what she said. I don't know that I want to know. But anyway, Matthew chapter 16, Matthew the 16th chapter. Verse 13, it says, When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that, a son of, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But he said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever, say whatever. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. You know, I just had a, a few things in my heart tonight, and um, uh, reading this scripture, Jesus asked, you know, asked, asked him, says, um, uh, who do men say that I am? And, you know, it's interesting, this morning pastor was talking, and it, it fit in with kind of what I had in my heart, the direction I wanted to go. But, you know, there's a lot of voices that are out there. Uh, we, we, we live in, uh, they call this, you know, the information revolution. We're in an information age. There's so much information that's out there. And, um, you know, everybody's got opinions on who God is and, 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 and uh, what he's like, what are his characteristics, what are his qualities, you know, who is he? There's so many voices that are out there. You, you realize it is so important who you listen to. Are you out there? I mean, it is so important who you listen to. You know, you, you have to, the Bible says to guard your heart because out of it, the issues, flow, you know, the, the, the issues, yeah, the issues of life, yeah, you know the scripture, but you got to guard your heart. Well, you know, when what you hear has entrance, the words you hear is what affects your heart. That affects what's real to you. That affects where your trust is. And so you got to really watch what you're listening to. I'm, I'm just telling you, whether you've gone through it to this point, experienced for yourself personally or not, know that you've got to be aware. Every voice that you allow to have access to your life is either adding or subtracting something from you. It's either adding to your faith, encouraging your faith, or it's detracting from it. You realize there is no neutral. There really is no neutral in the things that you hear. And so, you know, we, we live in a, in a time where, like I said, there's so many voices and so many things that are out there. And, you know, voices sound legitimate. A lot of times things sound good and they have, uh, even have information or reasons to back them up to, to validate them. But have you know that, that, that just because there's data behind something doesn't mean that it's true. 
Uh, we were in, uh, uh, you know, in Virginia with Amy's parents this last week, and we got to talking about global warming, you know, and, and I don't know where you stand on the, on the issue of global warming, and it's not a global warming discussion, but, but you, you realize there are two very separated camps on the issue of global warming. Now, I have my side of, of what I think is actually happening, but, but you know, there, there are different sides of it, and everybody supposedly has their own data that supports their position. You do realize that, right? And, and the data... One data is right and one data is wrong. The, the, all, the data can't all be right. Right? If they have two different conclusions, some data is good and some data is not. But, you know, really what we base upon our lives, upon our nation and, and where we're going, where we, what we base our decisions on in that subject, on which data we decide to look at, is really going to affect the quality of life we have as a result of those decisions. Well, in your life, the data that you're taking in, the information that you're receiving it reflects where your trust is going to be, and it has a direct impact on the quality of life you're going to live. It's everything. is the information you're getting. You know, today, if you want to know anything, you just Google it. You just Google it. You just look it up, and there's so much information out there. So I got to think in this afternoon, just as an example, uh, you know, because a lot of times people, when they want to know about God, they want to go other places other than the source. How many of you know that it's easier... For me, on global warming, it's easier for me to Google something than it is to go to the source and try to figure it out myself. Because that would take some effort to do the experiments and do all of that stuff. I can just Google somebody else's findings and just quickly research something. How many know that that's going to skew my opinion? Well, you know, there's so much information out there and people want to know, God, who do men say that I am? Really, where you're getting your information from and why you're going there determines everything. And so, you know, I decided today, I'm just going just to Google myself. Anybody ever Googled yourself before? Be honest. Who's Googled yourself? Hold your hands up. Who's never Googled yourself? Well, you don't even have a smart device of any sort. <laughs> have you Googled Doug before? Oh, okay. I, maybe, I thought maybe a smart woman had Googled her husband. But um, so I Googled myself. You know, and the first thing that comes up about Greg Anderson, there was a scandal a few years ago uh, by a man by the name of Greg Anderson, maybe you remember this, who was uh, giving uh, performance-enhancing drugs, steroids, to Barry Bonds. You remember that? People are like, I don't remember that. Who remembers that? Some the rest of you don't, I guess, don't. I, anyway, that was kind of a big deal when it happened. So the first Google result, if you were going to look up who is Greg Anderson wanting to know who I am, you're going to find a bun- bunch of information about me that's tied to somebody who's not me at all. Right? And it's going to have, it's going to say things about who I am, what I believe in, the things I'm willing to do, but it's a different Greg Anderson. It's not me. There's another Greg Anderson growing up. There was a Greg Anderson that was a, a, a world champion surfer. And so, you know, I, that's definitely not me either. Um, there, there's a lot of different Greg Andersons. I looked at this Greg Anderson up. This is one of the, the first pictures that comes up when you pull up my name. Put the first, that is Greg Anderson. <laughs> How many of you realize that his name is actually Greg Anderson? You know, you believe it. You would. Uh, You know, a picture says a lot about somebody. If somebody who doesn't know me, well, I go to church and Greg Anderson is one of our pastors. They're going to go with Greg Anderson. How many know if that's the picture they pull up, they're going to have an idea of who I am that's not really me. This is the best that I can do, okay? I've been working on this for two years, and so I, I applaud that guy. That's, that's pretty cool. But that's Greg Anderson. 
I, I, I decided, well, let me look up my wife. I wonder who my wife is. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Don't show it yet. I wanted to see who's my wife. I've lived with this woman for, that's not her. That's me. Uh, I've lived with her for 20 years. Who is Amy Anderson? Well, here's Amy Anderson. She's a comedian. I had no idea. That's my wife. All right. So no, that if I were to find, try to find out who my wife was and I Googled it based on other people's information, that's what I'd find. What about pastor Anderson, Edwin Anderson? He was a, uh, in the military United States Navy officer who received the medal of honor during war, during the, uh, 1914 American intervention of, uh, Veracruz. I don't even know what that is. I'm pretty, I'm pretty well preserved. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty, pretty well. Let's not go too far. So that's what Edwin Anderson, that's one, that's the first listing for Edwin Anderson that pulls up. How about Angela Anderson? She's an acrylic artist. That's pretty cool. So pull up Angela Anderson. What about Steve Morgan? He's an orthopedic sports surgeon. That would be the first result that you'd find of Steve Morgan. Just a few pictures later, I found something really disturbing about Steve Morgan. Morgan, This is the picture for Steve Morgan. It does have his eyes and frown lines, but um, that's Steve Morgan. I decided to look up Glenda Williamson. She's, it's her birthday today. Where's Glenda? She is a, uh, a real estate agent in Decatur, Illinois. Did you know that? What about Jimmy Smith? I looked up Jimmy Smith today. Jimmy Smith is a black jazz musician. I had no idea. Yeah, you need to join the band. Come talk to Steve afterward. Very famous musician. Well, I thought, what about Jimmy? What about Leslie? So I looked Leslie up. That described a lot of things. <laughs> Leslie Peacemaker Smith, UFC fighter. So you ever see Jimmy come in limping, then you know why, because that's who he's married to. You know, the point is, you know, when you, when you go where your information is, is going gonna, is gonna to taint your, it's going to affect and color your opinion of somebody, who they are, what they stand for. We all know Leslie. Now, I would not want to cross Leslie, but she's not that bad, right? Well, I don't know either, but she's not quite that bad. But where you're getting your information from is everything. Where you're getting your information from is everything. You know, tonight's miracle night, and I don't know what it is you came that you need. I don't really know what's going on, major, small, big, little. It really makes no difference. But on how we approach God, even when, not just even put needs aside, just our daily approach to Him and the way we just approach God in general. How many know that our, our walk with God shouldn't always be about what we need? And the reality is what you get from Him is not all about need. Right? I mean, you're, you're really our walk with him is just our approach to him in general, our stance toward him, our view of him, the way we respond to him. Right? And, you know, if we're going to the wrong place, if we're looking in the wrong places, our answer is going to affect. He said, who do men say that I am? They said, well, others say this. But he said, who do you say that I am? And see, the answer, the thing I love about Peter, which is my first name, nobody start calling me Pastor Peter, but that is my first name. I'm Pastor Greg. But uh, I love Peter, and you guys named me after Peter in the Bible, right? 
No, okay, anyway, I was, I, was, I was trying to feel good about myself. But one thing I love about Peter is he was somebody that he made a lot of mistakes. Peter was a guy that did a lot of, missed it a lot of times, but he was also someone that was really bold. And when he got a hold of something, he ran with it. He just, it was in his personality just to run with stuff. And, you know, and in that area of my life, I want to be more like him. When I see something, I get a hold of something, I want to run with it. But, you know, they said, who do men say I am? They, and they said, well, some say this, some say that. But who do you say I am? And Peter's the one who responded. You are the son of the living God. There is no doubt in my mind, Peter's understanding of that and his boldness to declare, to find, well, first of all, to find out who, who Jesus actually was and to not go to others, but to go to the source is the reason why Peter was chose to lead the church after Jesus's death, after his burial and his resurrection. Peter was the one who led the church because Peter knew who Jesus was and wasn't afraid to, to, to say it and was going to go to the source to get his information. What God is able to do in your life is going to, is largely going to be determined by how you answer the question, who is God and your boldness to declare who he is. It's going to determine everything. You think about Peter's life, all the things that Peter did. Yeah, he made mistakes, but, but, but he was the one that when, when Jesus went away to pray, Peter came alongside with him. He had access to the, to, to Jesus that others didn't have because he knew how to get his information, where to, where his source was, Right? When, when, when Jesus was raised from the dead, you know, who was the one that ran into the tomb to actually find the grave clothes? It was Peter. John got there first. John was faster, but he stood at the door and waited. Peter ran on in. Partly it's because Peter knew, he knew who his father was. He knew who Jesus was. And it was something that affected the way he, he looked at life and even the way he responded to life. It's because he knew who Jesus was. And so it's important for us that we're continually maintaining who God is and who Jesus is and keeping that revelation alive in our lives and making sure we're keeping it in front of us because all of this information out there is, out, is there to detract and to chip away from where your trust really is. It just is. I, I just have this sense, you know, as time goes on, that it's going to get ramped up even more from what it is now. It's, it's going to increase the, the assault on the reality of who our Father is and who Jesus is. That, that push is going to get stronger. We've got to be diligent to make sure that we're going to the source and not going to others. Let me tell you this. The truth is you can't even go to your own past to find out who he is. You can't even look at your past experiences and what God's done for you in the past where, where you think that he moved or you think that he didn't move. You can't even look there. You've got to go to the source. So you've got to go to the source. Pastor read this scripture this morning, and, and it's so good in, in Psalms 119. You can look, go there and go ahead and, and turn there. Uh, we put it up on Instagram this, this afternoon, but um, Psalms 119. By the way, you can check the church's Instagram app uh, out uh, via the church app. So little plug there for the app. Psalms 119 verse 160 says the entirety of your word is truth and every one of your righteous judgments endure forever. The entirety of your word is truth. I appreciate what pastor said this morning because that kind of, uh, complete view and an absolute view of God's word is necessary. If you're not going to be affected by the Google of this world, Right? You've got to have that, 
that beyond a shadow of a doubt, this is where these words are what I'm going to believe. This is where my trust is going to be. This is what I'm going to accept. Even in the face of all of the opposing data and information, this is what I'm going to accept as truth. God's word, the entirety of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous judgments endure forever. Go over to Proverbs chapter 4. I just want to read this to you. Proverbs, the fourth chapter as well. I tell you, God's word is so important. It's so important in your life. It is a lamp unto our feet. It is the foundation that we walk in. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20, it says, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ears to my saying. Do not let them depart. The Greek of that just means to drift past your eyes. We're talking about, you know, monitoring the information you're getting. Don't let them drift past your eyes. I just want to challenge you. Look back over the last several years of your life and look at where you are. Has anything drifted past your attention? Has anything that was truth that that you had got a hold of revelation of God's word, has something else tried to take its place? Right? I mean, all of us, if we're honest, there are areas probably where other things, where we've let certain truths drift past our eyes. Right? I'm, I, there are things that, that, that if we're not diligent, that will drift past us. It says, do not let them depart or drift past your eye. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. The Message Bible says, dear friend, listen well to, to my words. Tune your ears to my voice. And thank God for the Spirit of God. Thank God that He speaks to us. But I'm thankful we also have His Word that speaks to us every day. It says, keep my, keep my message in plain view at all times. Concentrate. Ooh, I like that. Keep my message in plain view at all times. Concentrate. Learn it by heart. Those who discover these words live, really live, body and soul, they're bursting with health. I tell you what, what God's Word says is everything. What God's word is, says is everything. And so tonight, I just want to look at a few things of who God is. I had a, a few things in my heart about who he is. And so uh, I don't know, you know, like I said, tonight's miracle night. I'm not sure what the needs are that are present tonight. Really, it makes no difference. I do know this, that whatever it is, he is well able to meet it. No matter what you're facing, God is able, right? He is able. The, the scripture we read a lot of times when we take when we do the offering is God is able to make all grace abound towards you. It's finances, but it's everything. God is able. God is able. Do you believe God is able? I mean, with men, things are impossible. With God, all things are possible. I mean, just stopping there about who God is, not going to other information or even your past experiences, just by the word of God alone, his very word, which is entirely true, that there are things that are impossible with men, but nothing is impossible with God. Now, when we see that, what, 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 what do you do when you see something like that? Okay, that's a great scripture. But then you take a step back. What does that mean for me? What does that mean in my life? Is there any impossible situation? Is there any unlikely situation that, that appears impossible or appears unlikely? Anything. Well, you know, the, the reality is if God's word is entirely true, if those situations don't change, they're not on God's end, they're on our end. It's not on his inability, it's upon our unwillingness to trust him and take him at his word. That's it. That's it. 
That's it. You know, there have been so many things that over the years, you know, this, that, and the other, maybe a little physical thing or this, that, that, you know, that I've just learned to deal with. How many know that we are not designed to learn to deal with anything? Are you out there? We're not created to learn to deal with anything. When we were put here, we were put here to dominate and reproduce, to make more people in the image of God. That's what we were called to do. The Bible says the world was in chaos. It was a mess. He put us here to change it. When something dominates, it's not being dominated in any other area. It dominates. Domination by itself is total control. There's not an area of your life that if it doesn't line up with God's word, that, that we should allow just to stay the way it is. Why? Because nothing is impossible if we'll just simply trust him. So God is able. God is able. You know, I, I believe we'll have more testimonies if we get more aggressive in what we're asking to do. I believe we'll, get, we'll have more uh, uh, things to brag on the goodness of God if we'll get bolder to, to just simply throw caution to the wind and trust him. Amen. You know, talking about Peter and John, you know, if we're really going to do that, we have to be willing to not worry about what other people think about us. It was unacceptable to run into that tomb. That's why John stopped. It was something that you just don't do that. You just don't do it. That's not kosher. You just don't do that. Peter didn't care. He ran on in. I mean, you know, how many, how many times have I stopped short of because somebody else thinks something? Because of somebody else's opinion, which is nothing more than just data that I'm taking in and letting it, letting it affect what I do, right? God is able, amen? I just want to go over to Hebrews chapter 11. Like I said, just had a few things to, to look at tonight, and, and these are scriptures that you know, and, and I trust because you, you know them, you won't just, uh, you know, I've heard that before, but... but Rule out everything else. Rule out every, every other uh, source of info. Rule out anything else that would present itself, every thought that would come against what the Word of God says. It says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says, But without faith it is impossible to please Him, for he who comes to God must believe that He is. And I just want to stop right there. This last week, you know, uh, uh, just thinking about different things, just uh, uh, people coming to mind, people who have let this basic truth be eroded in their life that God is. That God is. That God is. That He is. I'm telling you right there, that's something that you should never allow. Any thought that wants to, 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 to pick at that, you get rid of that thing, you squash it like a bug. Right? Anyone who, who without faith is impossible to believe God, anybody who comes in must believe that he is. I tell you, who is God? He is. He is who he says he is, right? And it goes on to say that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. God is a rewarder. Can I just tell you this, that your labor, what you put into into your relationship with God will pay off for you. It will pay off. Everybody say, say, it pays off for me. God responds to me. God rewards me. It says that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him diligently seek him. That means they go after him and don't take no for an answer. They seek him. Listen, there is no no from him. There just might be a no from your flesh. Don't let your flesh tell you no. Why? Because God is a rewarder. He's a rewarder. 
Go over to Matthew chapter 7. Praise God. Matthew the 7th chapter. You know, one hand, you know, we like to give examples of things, but uh, uh, to bolster things that we read. But, you know, uh, there are times where you just have to accept it just because God's word says it. If you're somebody that always needs backup information to buy something, that's the faith of Thomas. I mean, it just is. I'm not saying that to be rude, but, but how often do we do that? I'll read it, but then I need to read something else and see something else and then I'll accept it. If we'll just get to a place where we just simply believe it, the faith of a child. How many of you know growing up when your parents told you they do something, you, you didn't need to hear anything else? Dad said this, okay, they, go, they just go on about their business, right? Let's maintain that, right? In Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, it says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. I just read that scripture, and I just uh, automatically, there are just things rolling around. If this is true, why am I asking more? If this is true, why am I not seeking more? If this is true, why are my knuckles raw because I'm just knocking like crazy? Think about this. I mean, I know there's a life we got to live. There's things we got to do in the natural. I get it. But did, did you hear what we just read? Ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives and to him, he who seeks finds and to him who knocks it will be opened. Whew. Is that blessing anybody? Whoever knocks whoever asks whoever seeks god always responds he is a rewarder he is a rewarder i tell you if we can if, when a person gets a hold of that that god actually responds to them there just arises a boldness in them and a tenacity to go after more that they've never known but you got to believe it pastor's been talking about believing something and then have your actions follow suit if you believe it, what are you going to do with it? If you believe it, are you going to ask? If you believe it, are you going to knock? If you believe, are you going to seek? If you do that, he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He's a rewarder, amen? Go over to uh, Deuteronomy chapter 7. Deuteronomy the 7th chapter. Praise God. Deuteronomy chapter 7. When you're there, let me know. Amen. Well, Paul is fast. Deuteronomy chapter 7 in the ninth verse. says, therefore, know that the Lord your God, he is God, <laughs> the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations to those who love him and keep his commandments. Therefore, know that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God. Everybody say faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy. You know, we're in a covenant with him. If you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, you're in covenant with him. He keeps covenant, but he also keeps mercy. I don't know about you, but I'm glad he keeps covenant, but he also keeps mercy. Because I enjoy the covenant, but I need the mercy a lot of times. <laughs> the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. Now, it's interesting that he's faithful, but we still have a part to play. Those who love him and keep his commandments. Go over to Psalms chapter 119. Go, you, 
Pastor read in there earlier today, but I'm going to look at a different verse. Psalms 119. We're just going to read several scriptures tonight. Is that all right? Psalms 119. Because you know what he's got to say is even better than what I've got to say, right? Psalms 119, the 89th verse. Psalms 119, 89. Woo, I love this. Verse 89 says forever. Everybody say forever. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Woo, praise God. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You establish the earth and it abides. They continue this day according to your ordinances, for all are your servants. Pastor, some of this morning, how the word of God is alive. It is still producing, even to this day. A commentary of this wrote, uh, he wrote this, and, and I loved it. It says, God is immutable. And immutable just means unchanging over time or unable to, to be changed. God is immutable. He uncha- he's unchanging over time, and he's unable to be changed. In his, a- in his attributes, whatever the attributes of God were before the universe was called into existence, they are precisely the same now and will remain so forever. Necessarily so, for they are the very perfections, the essential qualities of his being. It says... Um, His power is unabated, which just means without any reduction in intensity or strength. His wisdom undiminished. His holiness unsullied. Just means not soiled or made impure. The attributes of God can no more change than deity can cease to be. His veracity or conformity to the facts, accuracy or habitual truthfulness is immutable. For his word is forever settled in heaven. Let me tell you something. God's faithful. Like I said, I don't know where you're at tonight. What's going on in your life? You got to know God's faithful. His word is forever settled in heaven. Tim, do you know God's faithful? Yeah, he's faithful. God is faithful. What he's promised, he's faithful. You know, I'm glad God's faithful to my parents, but I'm also glad to know he's faithful to me. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm glad to know he's faithful to my kids. And I'm glad to know he's faithful to you. To a thousand generations. God is faithful. God is faithful. You know, just right before service, just thinking, you know, I need at least one example of where this was proven. You know, God made a promise to Abraham to make him a father of many nations. How many know that every time somebody gets born again, another member of those nations comes in? Romans chapter 4 says, Therefore it is the faith... Uh, of faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. Think about that. God made Abraham a promise. If they just trust him, he'd make him a, a father of many nations. This is still happening to this day. It's still happening to this day that members of, that na- the, of those nations are coming in. Today's Mission Sunday. We're supporting missionaries. In Jackie Stan, there are members. We're going we're gonna to coin that, right? We, that's pretty amazing. Right? We named a new nation. Tajikistan. Give me a break. Jackie Stan. She's going there. There's many people added. That really, it's great. It's a part of our inheritance because we're giving to that. It's part of our reward. But do you realize it's also part of God's faithfulness to Abraham? I mean, think about that. It's not just, God doesn't even see it just from the standpoint of being faithful to us, sending, or Jackie's obedience. It's, he, it's still his, his faithfulness 
and honoring what he told Abraham all those years ago. His faithfulness endures to every generation. The promise he made Abraham is still happening. And Jackie's going to go to continue that promise he made to Abraham all those years ago. It's still producing. Think about that. God's word. What has he said to you? Wait, well, that was, that was a year ago the Lord dealt with me about this. If Abraham, the promise he made to Abraham is still producing, the promise he made to you will still produce. Don't give up on it. It said of, of Sarah that she judged God faithful. She was able to conceive and bear, bear child because she judged God faithful. She judged him who promised faithful. Right? Because she knew that he was faithful. She was able, the process started and it finished. I just think about the scripture says the good work that he's begun and he'll bring to completion. What is it that the Lord's talked to you about? In what areas have you seen light that maybe aren't so bright today that, that seems to have faded out a little bit? You know, the, the light of revelation when it comes, you see something in the word. What is something maybe that's not as burning bright today as it once did? His word doesn't change and he's faithful to a thousand generations. Right? What you put into your kids, God's faithful. Don't abandon his faithfulness. Lay hold of his faithfulness because he's faithful to a thousand generations. He just needs us to stay in the, in the, in the ship with him and keep, and keep believing and keep trusting and keep relying on him. Whew. God's faithful to a thousand generations. Man, I think about Tajikistan. Praise God. That's it. Forget everything else. That's because of Abraham's covenant. Woo. That's amazing. What's he said to you? God's faithful. What's he promised you? God's faithful. What's his word say? He's faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful. Go over to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews the 10th chapter. See, we're looking at a bunch of scriptures. Hebrews chapter 10. They are good scriptures, aren't they? Everyone will breathe life into you. Everyone will deposit something. Everyone will encourage you. That's every scripture you get a hold of will cause you just to, to pick up the pace that much more. We were watching today, you know, uh, Jack and I were watching for a few minutes before I came down to the office. Anybody watch the race, the women's cycling race? Anybody see the crash that lady took? Ooh, that was rough. It just, it was, they said she was okay later. It didn't look like it. But anyway, uh, I prayed for her. But anyway, um, no, I did actually. Lord, I hope that woman, you heal that woman because that looked rough. But anyway, we were watching the race, you know, and, and, um, uh, they're going along, they're racing, and the lady at the end, you know, the American was in the lead, and the last few hundred feet, they passed her. They passed her in the last few hundred feet, you know, and, and I saw, man, that's, that's terrible. You know, listen, let's not let up the pace. Let's not let up the pace. You know, there are times you get tired. Anybody ever been where you're just tired? You just get tired? Not physically, you just get kind of just get tired of doing something? The assurance of God's word is the thing that will give you that, the, the boost to do what you need to do. You know, she was rated, run, running today. I don't know if you saw it. They were going along. The American was in second place. She was a few seconds behind the, I think somebody from, I don't know where they were. They were Dutch or 
France, I don't know where it was, but the Netherlands. And they were in first place. And that lady went around a corner and wiped out. So the American was in first place. And so went the, the whole time. And of course, you know, the clock was ticking down. And they're getting a little closer, a little closer, a little closer, a little closer. And so they're within a, a, a less than a meter. And they're about six seconds behind, you know, at, 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 at a meter to go. And so she's going. But, I, but earlier, she had the American team car ran up beside her and was coaching her, encouraging her. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. And while they were there, her pace stayed where it needed to be. But they got to a point where the car wasn't allowed to be there anymore. The car had to pull off and she was on her own. And when she got on her own, she slowed down. The minute that car left her side with the, the American team saying, you can do it. They're, they're, they're there. The finish line's just ahead. You can do it. Keep going. Her pace stayed solid. When that car pulled off, it started slowing down, slowing down, slowing down, slowing down. And she lost the goal. Actually, didn't get any medal. They passed her with just a few feet to go. They passed her, and she ended up being fourth place. The worst place to finish in the Olympics is fourth, right? What's my point? Listen, God's word is like the car sitting next to you. You can do this. You can do this. There's a prize. Don't give up. Listen, I know you're tired right now, but you stick with it. Listen, because whoever asks, they, they get it. Whoever seeks, they find. Whoever knocks, it's open. You keep going. You keep pushing. You keep going forward. You don't let off the gas. There, there's, because it's just that encouragement. There was strength that was in her that she didn't have without it. You got to keep this in front of you. Keep this in front of you. In Hebrews chapter 10, in the 20, did I tell you to go there? Hebrews 10, 23 says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful. I'm telling you, whatever he's told you, he's going to do it. He's going to do it. Just, you got to continue to judge him faithful, judge him faithful. Make sure you're on the right page on Google, getting the right information. God is faithful. Go over to Malachi chapter 3. Just a couple more I want to read. Malachi the third chapter. Praise God. Is this happen to anybody? Malachi chapter 3 verse 6. It says, for I am the Lord, I do not change. Kind of tied in with faithful, but it's also a little different. He's faithful, but he also never changes. For I am the Lord, I never change. I like the King James who says, For I am the Lord, I change not. I change not. James chapter 1. Go over there. James the first chapter. James chapter 1. Tell you what, you you don't let loose of the things God's promised you. You don't let loose of the things that he, you've asked for. You don't turn loose. It doesn't matter what it looks like. You don't turn loose. You don't turn loose. God is faithful. Yeah, but this happened. That, that, that doesn't change God's faithful. That doesn't change God's faithful. Well, why did that happen? Why did this happen? Sometimes I, I don't know. And sometimes it's better not to even ask the question. You know, we've had some things happen where we, we were like, why? Why did that happen? You know, have just settled the fact that there's a thief out there and he's a jerk. But then go to the point that, you know, he's defeated. God's faithful. You never turn loose. You never turn loose. You never turn loose. James, I said James. Yeah. 
James chapter 1. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or even a shadow of turning. He is the same. God is the same. He remains the same. If he's ever done it for you before, he'll do it again. If he's ever answered before, he'll answer again. He's the same. Go over to Acts, the 10th chapter, Acts chapter 10. Just a couple more, then we'll wrap it up. Acts chapter 10. Praise God. Acts, the 10th chapter. Like I said, these are scriptures that we know, but you know, we, we, it's just important that we just remind ourselves. You know, when you're on your own at home and you think, well, I, you know, talk about studying the word. I don't really know what that is. This is a good example of what you do. Right? I mean, this is what you just go from verse to verse and you, and you think about it. You, you know, it's good to even preach the word to yourself. <laughs> right? It's good to just repeat what God says to yourself. That's, that's part of meditation. Some of you might not even, I don't even know what that means to keep his word in front of me. I'm not sure even what that means to study the Lord. This is, this is partly how you do it. This is one of the ways you do it. Just you run your references. You look at different scriptures. You keep them in front of you. You take a step back and don't just read them as word, but, but you take a step back and you look at it. What does this mean in my life? What is, what is this doing? What, what is this, what's he talking about here? I see it. Okay, it's mine. I believe it. Even if I don't see it, I still believe it. Lord, help me to understand it. Well, God will do it. Acts chapter 10. What did I say that? 10. Yeah. Uh, 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 Verse 34. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. Like I said, there were just certain certain scriptures that had to mark certain things about who God is. And really, they're uh, not as much about what he does. They're more about his character tonight. Who he is. And I don't know why I had these specifically on my heart, but, you know, uh, uh, for whatever reason, that's what, that's what the Lord put on my heart tonight, these particular ones. But another part of his characteristic is that he shows no par- his partiality, his character. He doesn't have favorites. He doesn't have favorites. You know, there are so many things that try to tell us why we disqualify. Information that tries to present itself, why you don't qualify. You qualify. So a, a minister that I know had said this a few years ago, and I, and I just thought it was really cool. He was talking with his kids, you know, and one of his sons, and, and uh, he said, um, he said, you know, his son, he said, he said, I love you. Do you know why I love you? Son said, no. He's thinking, you know, what did I do to cause my dad to love me? He said, I love you because you're my son. That means there was no qualifications. It was just who he was is why he loved him. God doesn't have favorites. There, there is nothing that can disqualify you from these things. There's nothing can disqualify God's grace in your life or his willingness to answer you. There's nothing that can disqualify. He doesn't have any favorites. He shows no partiality. The Amplified says, I most certainly and, th- most certainly and thoroughly I now perceive and understand that God shows no partiality and is no respecter of persons. Galatians chapter 2 says, God shows personal favoritism to no man. I like the Amplified. It says, God is not impressed with the positions that men hold, and he is not partial and recognizes no external distinctions. 
He is not impressed with the positions that men hold, and he is not partial and recognizes no external distinctions. I feel like tonight there's people who just think, well, because of this, I don't qualify, because this is me or this is... No, you qualify. You qualify. He shows no favoritism. You know, singing this afternoon, if God was going to show favoritism or or exclude anybody, it would have been Paul. Go over to Acts, the ninth chapter, and we'll... We'll maybe stop with this. In Acts chapter 9. Acts the ninth chapter. I'll tell you this, the story of Paul is just an amazing, an amazing account in the Bible. And just a real testimony of God's love and really how he sees people no matter what's happened. But in Acts chapter 9 it says, Then Saul, still, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him in the synagogues of Damascus so that it may be found, so if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Notice he was, this happened, this encounter happened while he was still breathing threats and murder. You think anybody would have been disqualified or maybe had a, eh, kind of a, eh, yeah, I don't know about all Saul. After all, he's in fact, he's still breathing threats and murder right this very moment. Yeah, I don't know so, so sure about him. As he, as he journeyed, he came near Damascus and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, uh, he said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said to him, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It's hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Rise and arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And it's interesting, you know, even in this, there were still some things that the Lord, uh, some instructions he gave him. But, you know, your, your willingness to judge God faithful will really determine whether you actually do what he says. What if Saul hadn't gone into the city? What if he hadn't done what the Lord told him to do? You know, we are, we are in partnership with him. You know, we don't want to live under the illusion that God does everything. We have a part to play. And if you're just sitting around thinking God's going to do everything for you, that's not the way it works. He would take care of the, the difficult stuff, but it still requires your response. Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was there. He was three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Verse 10. Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, he said, Here am I, Lord. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. In a vision, he, seen, he, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand in him so that he might receive his sight. Even when others were afraid and others saw that he didn't qualify. God, God still is faithful. Verse 13, then Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has the authority to bind the chief priests, to bind all who call in your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. Go, for he's a chosen vessel of mine. He's a chosen vessel. Listen, 
what God has seen, what God has ordained, what God has set up for you, you, you you're not disqualified for it. Like I said, I like to, there's a few things tonight that I had on my heart. You are not disqualified. In the midst of someone who was breathing threats and murder, when God, when Jesus saw him, he saw someone whom his spirit, his hand was upon. Someone that he had a, he had, there was a, he was chosen to do something. He was chosen and called to do something. Even in the midst of all of that, to the point that God intervened, God moved in. Paul still had, Saul still had to respond, but, but God did not give up on him. He did not turn his back on him. I just want to encourage you tonight. Get your information from the right place. Get your information from the right place. Maintain the, the looking in the right place. You know, if we'll do that, approaching him and asking for things and really just being wild in the things we ask for and the things we expect, that will grow. That will grow. If we'll just simply just maintain a proper perspective of who God is. Amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.